Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. We are in our final week of our study on prayer. We started this beginning of January, and uh, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, I would encourage you to go back on iTunes or Spotify and listen to them. You can catch up on anything you may have missed on Sundays as well. Um, we'll have uh, notes up on the screen behind me, and we've been putting the notes up for midweek on Wednesdays um, on our app as well. So if you don't have our Foundation Church app, man, download it. it. It lets you know. You can go look at connect groups. You can uh, give. You can see what's going on. Um, you can check out our sermon notes on Sundays and uh, watch, watch Sunday sermons as well. It's very convenient. And so if you don't have our app, um, you can open it up. But our sermon notes are, are, are also there. Our Wednesday notes are also there under the, uh, the sermon notes uh, tab. Uh, next week, we're going to do a standalone, just kind of a one-week study um, on a verse that's uh, um, taken out of context. And we're going to try to put it in context and look at the big picture of what it means and then starting in March, we're, we're going to tie our midweek series um, to what's happening on Sunday. And uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but we're going to be talking about the Lord's or the Last Supper um, leading up to Easter. And so we'll be going through John 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, John 17 is actually the Lord's Supper, but that was the last uh, midweek that we did in December of 2022. So we probably won't hit that again, but we'll do um, the other ones as well. And so I'm excited about that. Well, last week we started uh, looking at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And normally our midweeks aren't like part one and two, right? Normally they're not tied so closely together as the last week and this week. I mean, it's the Bible, so it's not like you can really just like take apart. It all kind of builds together. So, so they, they do build off of each other. Um, but this one in particular, I may be referencing some things about, that we talked about last week, and I'll try to, to talk about that in case you, you missed it. Um, but if you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it so you have an idea of, of what we're talking about. But we're in John, or James chapter 5. Uh, we started in verse 13. We got to verse 15. And so tonight we're going to be doing 16 through 18. James writes this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, if you were here uh, last week, remember us talking about the passage um, that the prayer of faith, you know, can heal the sick. And, and we did not deny the fact that God still has the power and ability um, and still does the miraculous. That's not what we were doing last night. What we were doing is just presenting the other side of the coin, that there is a, a spiritual reality to this as well. And we talked about the context, about the people, the audience that James was writing to, how they were persecuted believers that were scattered um, uh, throughout the region because of persecution, and, and they were suffering hardship, and that um, this prayer uh, that they were to be praying for, and they were having these spiritually mature people come alongside them and lift them up in prayer and strengthen their faith after being beaten down and battered. And so, um, and so we're going to kind of continue on with that idea. 
uh, with, that, with that side of the coin as well. Again, not denying the fact that God can and does and still um, has the power to heal people, but we're looking more so at the spiritual aspect of it that we might overlook uh, when we're reading this verse. And so we start to look at James chapter 5, verses 16, and he says, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So let's, let's walk through this process a little bit of what this looks like. Um, we mentioned last week that it's important, you know, when we talk about healing, we read verses like 1 Peter 2, 24, um, other verses in, in Isaiah that say, um, you know, the, the same thing, something similar where, where Peter is getting this. Um, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, and by his wounds you have been healed. Now, when we read verses like this, we understand um, that Jesus came and died on the cross, uh, not so that we don't catch a cold or get cancer, right? If that was the case, then anyone who's a true believer would never get sick. Um, but there is a spiritual healing that, that comes in this, that there is a, a spiritual aspect that comes, that, that Jesus died so that we can be made right with God. Um, he died so that, that we can live, that he has brought this spiritual healing. And so when we talk about confession and we're tying it to healing, um, we see this process kind of play out. And so Romans 10.9 talks about this initial confession that believers make. Uh, Romans 10.9 says, because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is our initial confession as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ that we all make, that we confess that we are weak, that we are helpless and hopeless and dead in our sins, and that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we've got to understand this is not just some superficial acknowledgement. I can go ask somebody that's totally opposed to the things of God and say, hey, repeat this line, and they can repeat it. James tells us earlier in his book that demons believe in God, and they tremble. So it's not just this um, verbal, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, but there is a, a deep um, understanding. There is a, a repenting of our sins. There is conviction. Um, there is trusting Christ that he is our only hope for salvation and submitting to him as Lord. And so through this initial confession, um, we are justified, we are made right, we are adopted into God's family. Um, but there is a, a process that takes place in our walk with Christ, that though we may have confessed Jesus as Lord, we haven't reached or obtain this final goal of perfection that we are all shooting for. Um, Paul talks about this, about his personal journey in this, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Though we have made this initial confession of faith, we haven't reached the goal. We aren't perfect, but we continue on towards this high calling that God has called us. And we don't do this alone, that we do it with a body of believers, that we aren't just chasing Jesus out on our own, but we are part of the body of Christ. Now, I can't have a relationship for Alan. I can't have a relationship for God with, for Dennis. Like I have to have a relationship with God for myself, but it is in the context of us all chasing after God at the same time. And so we don't do this alone. And so James says, what do we do? We confess our sins one to another, that we pray for one another and so that you might be healed. Um, 
If you look at this progression that James has talked about, he says, if any, starting in, in verse uh, 13, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. So this is an individual prayer. I'm praying for myself. Um, then he says, is anyone sick? Let him call. Let him come alongside the elders of the church that they may pray for him. So the circles expanded a little bit more. And then it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for another. And the circles expanded even more to the entire body of Christ. So you've got this individual um, prayer that, that I pray if I'm suffering, that I go to God as my comfort. Um, then if I'm, if I'm sick, I go to the elders of the church, that their, their faith um, uh, can bring physical healing, their faith can bring spiritual healing when I'm beaten and worn down. Um, and then if I've sinned, um, we confess to each other and we pray for one another so that we might be healed. Um, now, when we talk about prayer or we talk about confession, a lot of times we can, we can kind of go down the track of like, oh, you go to confession and you think of like the Catholic church, we go to confess to a priest, he tells us to do X, Y, and Z, and then we're forgiven. Um, I have no authority to forgive anyone. Justin has no authority to forgive anyone. A priest has no authority to forgive anyone. Only, that forgiveness can only come from Christ. Um, and and that's, that's the only way that forgiveness is achieved. Um, but what is, is happening in this process as we are confessing one to another, there's a couple of things that are happening. Um, but one of the things that's happening is that a lot of times, if we're, if we're looking at it in the context of James writing to these weak and beaten down believers, um, a lot of times when, when we sin, maybe you've been there, you think, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm helpless, I'm worthless, like God is not going to forgive me anymore. And, and we get in this rut. And so we confess our sins one to another um, so that we can be healed spiritually, because sometimes you need someone else to remind you, hey, that, that sin has been paid for, like you've been forgiven. And so it helps us kind of wake up to the fact of what Christ has done for us. And there's, there's uh, an encouragement, there's an uplifting in that. Um, but there's also accountability that comes with that as well. And so that, that while we may be struggling with sin, we're confessing one to another um, they are, are praying for us, that our faith is strengthened. They are praying for us and holding us accountable. And so that, that we aren't falling into that sin as, as readily as we once were. And so there is this, this mutual um, um, uh, confession that's happening, that I'm confessing my sins, you're confessing your sins. Um, I'm lifting you up. I'm reminding that you've been forgiven. Not that I can forgive you, but that, that God has forgiven you. And that we both carry each other's burdens we, we make the load lighter for one another, and we push forward toward, toward his upward calling of Christ. Um, and, and we're reminded in, in 1 John um, chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We overlook this aspect of confession because we tie it um, to, to, uh, to a, a denomination or organization that has taken it um, kind of to, a, to an extreme, an unbiblical extreme, but there still should be confession um, within the body of Christ so that we can encourage, so we can uplift, and we can hold each other accountable. Um, and we pray for one another so that we can be healed. And we have to be careful when we read this. Um, there's, some, uh, there's probably some thought process, some theologies out there that believe that, that all sickness is tied to sin. Um, and we have to be careful that that's not necessarily the case. Now, it can be the case um, if we look at somebody, if you want to just some very quick um, off the cuff, somebody who's like an, an alcoholic. There, is, there could be sickness, um, physical sickness that results from that. Um, somebody who abuses drugs, there can be physical sickness that results from that. Somebody who is um, illicit in their, in their sexual behaviors, there can be sickness that comes from that. 
uh, one that we may not talk about, gluttony. Um, there can be physical sickness that comes from that. Um, so don't get me wrong, sin can be, or sickness can be a result of physical, of sin, right? So sickness can be a result of sin. Yeah, I said that correctly. Um, and, and Paul mentions this in, in 1 Corinthians 11 when he's talking about communion. So we do get a picture of it here uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who drinks or eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So it seems that some have, have just kind of flippantly and non, like very like, um, cavalier uh, taken communion and have, have not uh, taken it with the respect that it deserves. And Paul's saying that because of that, because of that disrespect of what Christ has done, some of you have gotten sick. And so there is, this, there is a tie there um, between sin and, and sickness. But I don't think that's necessarily what, what James is, is implying, that all sickness is a result of sin. But um, the main takeaway from this is that there is a, a physical life, but it's not the most important life. That there is a spiritual life um, that we all are going to spend an eternity somewhere, and that's where our focus should be, is, is the eternal. And so we confess our sins um, so that our spiritual lives are healed and we continue towards this call that God has given us. And then James goes on to say that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Um, the King James would say something like, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the word fervent um, in the King James is this Greek word, um, energeo. Uh, if you were in English class, it is known as a cognate. It's a similar spelling, um, similar meaning. Um, the word is spelt, uh, I don't think I have it up there, which is fine. The word is spelled E-N. Uh, E-R-G-E-H-O. Does, does that sound, does that, can anyone enter Jeho? Does that relate to a word that we might have in English? Anyone? Energy, yeah. Um, it's where we get our word energy. So, so what is the, the, what is James is saying, what James is saying here is that our prayers have to be energetic, not in the sense that they're loud and like, God Almighty, come down rain, like not that we're loud um, and super excited, right? Um, but that they keep going on. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 would say, pray without ceasing. Romans 12.12 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And here's what, what, it, what is neat when we look at the context of this passage. When we look at the audience, right? When we look at the verses leading up to these verses where it talks about being patient in suffering, um, if we look at the side of the spiritual healing that is taking place, that these strong, mature believers um, are encouraging and lifting up these beaten down, weakened believers, then it would follow the same track. Have you guys ever found it difficult to pray whenever, whenever you're beaten down, whenever you're worn down? Have you guys ever, anyone? Yeah. It, it's difficult to pray. It's difficult to have the energy and pray as we ought when our faith is weak. So in these moments, James is saying, hey, have these people surround you in prayer that the, the energetic prayers of a righteous person are strong and they accomplish much. It's interesting that James makes this, this, uh, this, this case here that, that it's the prayers of a righteous person. Because we get in James 2, we see that there's probably some, some problems 
with these believers, some, some occurring sins that are happening with these believers, because we see in James 2 um, that they, they seem to show favoritism towards the wealthy and, and uh, overlook um, the poor, that they are, they are partial, they're, they're showing favoritism. And so there's, James calls that out in James 2. In James 3, um, James talks about the, the language we use and how we, we curse uh, man with one side of our mouth and bless God on the other. And so you've got James pointing out that the, that language and, and the words that we use have to be um, taken consider like have to be um, uh, taken into consideration. We need to be careful of that. In James chapter four, uh, he lists out fighting, murder, coveting, selfishness, and friendship with the world. And so it seems that that these these Jewish believers are struggling with some of these things, or else he wouldn't have addressed them. And so, and then he ends the chapter by saying, hey, it's not just the prayers of anyone that accomplish much. It's not, it's not the prayers of just Joe over there who's beating up his neighbor and, and cussing out his wife, but it's the prayers of a righteous person that are strong and at work. Um, and we have to understand something when we talk about righteousness, that that it is not a righteousness that we find in and of ourselves. It's not a righteousness that we find, hey, I go to church, hey, I, I read my Bible, hey, I do these things, so I'm righteous. That's very, uh, very much what the Pharisees were doing, that it was a works-based faith, that, hey, I, if I do this and I do it with the right efforts, then, then I'm good. Um, that's what we call self-righteous, and that's, that is uh, very much frowned upon uh, in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus says uh, in Luke 16, um, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And 1 John 1, uh, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, the Pharisees were self-righteous. He, uh, Jesus told them that they were whitewashed tombs. They looked good on the outside. They did the right things, but the heart behind it was totally missing. And so, so when we talk about the prayers of a righteous person, righteous person, um, we have to understand that it's not us, but it's because of what Christ did for us. And so we look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what happens is, is as followers of Christ, as Christians, the standard that we hold is not in comparison to one another, right? So my, my standard is not, I'm doing better than Steve. My standard is not, hey, I'm close to Mike over here, but not quite. My standard is not, um, it is not other people. My standard is, is the word of God. And it's no, my standard should be no lower than absolute perfection. That is our standard as followers of Christ. We don't judge ourselves in relation to other people. We judge ourselves according to the standard of the word of God and following the example of Jesus. That's our standard. No lower than perfection. So this means um, that we, we, we don't hold this standard um, in this begrudging fashion. Oh man, uh, I guess I'm obligated to follow it. Okay, I'll do what I can, right? I guess, uh, but we, we, we keep this standard and we keep this goal because of our love for Christ, because of our, our, our desire um, to honor him in all that we do. If my wife asks me to do something, um, even if I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it because I honor her and respect her and I love her. And if I don't do it, she gets mad at me and I feel bad and I have to apologize. 
And so what happens as followers of Christ is we, we pursue this standard of perfection, not because we feel obligated, but because we, we absolutely love and have submitted our lives to Christ. But what happens in those, in those faults? We confess our sins and we go back um, to him. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 5.20 that our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees or we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, but the difference is here is that uh, we do it because we love him. They did it because they thought their works would, would please God and they missed the heart behind it. Um, it's not legalism, right? That our habits, um, our conversations, the things we watch, um, the things that go through our mind, right? A lot of times you're like, well, you're just being legalistic. No, 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 no. We're not being legalistic here. Um, it's a pursuit of holiness is what it is. And so, you know, you have people that will say, hey, don't watch these movies or don't watch that. You know, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you're being legalistic. No, 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 That our deeds, Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out, yeah. right? So that everyone will glorify God. So our good deeds need to be lived in such a way that honor God. Now, we can't just be like, oh, Jesus down on the cross. I'm righteous because of what he did. Amen. Hallelujah. There's freedom in that. Amen. And we, for, we forget that that what we do, that our salvation should produce works, right? That, that we're not saved because of works, but if we're planting seeds, salvation is a seed, and the tree that prop, pops up from that should be the works that honor God. That our, James talks about this as well, that, that a faith um, without works is dead. And they go together. And so that we are honoring God, we are living righteous lives. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were com- committed and have been, have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness, that we are bonded to righteousness. Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of who? My own. Not having a righteousness of my own, but one that comes, uh, one, or that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. When we live this way, um, we become slaves to righteousness. There is this growing disgust of sin in our lives. There's this growing desire to pursue holiness and perfection um, uh, and live for God above all else. And when we live in such a way, James tells us that those who are righteous, their prayers are powerful and accomplish much. And he goes on to give this example of Elijah and something spectacular that happened. And Elijah was one of the most uh, powerful uh, prophets in the Old Testament. Guess what? He was human like me. He was a human like you right? That he was totally human. Um, But he walked so closely with God that we see in 2 Kings 2 that he didn't die, that he was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. There's only a couple people in the Bible that can be said of, and Elijah's one of them. Elijah was human, but his walk with God was different, and his prayers accomplished much. Um, the, The passage in James goes on to say this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So we said that he's a human like us. He's got passions. He's got emotions. He's got feelings. And while we don't have, you know, Elijah's diary where he's like, dear diary, someone said something mean, right? We don't have that. um, But we do have 
uh, are, are some examples in 1 Kings 19, where we see that Elijah had just come out of this incredible move of God. He had seen God do something incredibly powerful. He had uh, uh, God gone head to head with the prophets of Baal and showed that God was the one true God. It was an incredible feat. And then in 1 Kings 19, starts out, it says this, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of the one of them by this time tomorrow. She was going to kill him. That's what she's promising to do. I'm going to kill. You are going to die. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He's afraid. He's depressed. He's on the brink of suicide. Human emotions. He's not, he's not some superhero that's immune to these feelings that we have. He is a human like us, but there's something about him that caused his prayers to be answered. That even though he had these emotions, even though he had these feelings, even though he was human, he was righteous and walked closely with God. This passage tells us that he prayed fervently. In the Greek, it's really interesting. Um, It it reads more like he prayed with prayer when you read the Greek. Um, That they're they're different words, but they're the same root word that prayed. He prayed, which is pros yokomahi, which I probably butchered that, but I'm not Greek. Um, And then fervently, which is the same root word, um, pros yokahe, that he prayed with prayer. What does that mean? Man, I think it's something to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. That as Christ followers, we come humbly before God with this awareness of our needs, that we are asking him for what we need. But when it comes to seeking him, what this happens is we connect our prayers um, with the pursuit of the will of God. And then when it comes to knocking, it's this suggestion that we keep on knocking, this perseverance in prayer, that we keep on praying, that we ask, that we seek, that we knock. And Jesus gives a couple of parables about this, right? About this persistence in prayer. And I know for me, the struggle comes with the persistence, Right? Sometimes I can get bored or frustrated. You know, I'm like, oh, I prayed a few times and nothing happened. Um, but sometimes I, I can get beaten down by life. And I'm like, man, what the heck? My prayers aren't being answered. And you get angry and you get frustrated and your faith gets weakened. And I think this is where the prayers of those spiritual leaders are vital. That they come alongside these weakened believers who, who are struggling with fervent prayers. With, with passionate prayers, with prayers that keep going. And I think it's really interesting. James could have pulled a, a dozen different illustrations from the life of Elijah and the miracles that he did through prayer. But he pulls out this one where Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. And for three and a half years, it didn't. And then he prayed that it would, and it did. And this idea that this, this, this parched land 
is in need of water. And if we look back a few verses later and we look at the context of it, that there are parched believers, parched followers of Christ that are spiritually dried up and need the, the, the elders in the church to surround them and lift them up in prayer. I think it's an interesting illustration. He could have used a lot of them, but he chose this one to talk about a drought. And some of us are in a spiritual drought, and some of us are, are just hanging on by a thread. And we need to be surrounded by godly individuals to lift us up and encourage us in prayer. Man, it's true that God can work however he wants, whenever he wants. He can do all of that apart from us, right? But that's not how he, how he, how he ordinarily works. He usually uses his people being obedient to him, coming into alignment with his will. Um, and many times he's shown that power through an answer to a prayer. The, the prayers of a righteous per- person availeth much. Um, Man, we know that we're not changing God in prayer. We're not changing his mind. We're not showing him something he doesn't know. We're not giving him some new information. Um, but, but prayer changes our lives, and it changes the lives of those around us. And, and it brings these things to fulfillment according to his, his sovereign will. Um, so we pray. We live righteous lives that honor God. And we see that our prayers have power. And we can't overlook the, the aspect of, of those believers around us that may be weakened and may be hurting, maybe need some uplifting um, in those moments. And so with that, I'm going to close in prayer. And then I want us to do that. It's 721. We, we ended up a little bit early. I want us to gather around each other and pray, confess, be honest with each other. Uh, I know I'm guilty of that. How are things going? Great. They're going great. Yep. Just pray that keep trucking along. That's not always the truth. So let's be honest with one another. Let's let the prayers of these, these stronger believers, um, these ones who are, 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 are doing well, um, encourage our faith and lift us up. So I'll pray, close us out, and then let's break up into groups and pray for one another. Father, we come before you this evening and thank you uh, for your word. God, thank you for speaking to us uh, through your word, and thank you for um, allowing us to be used by you. God, I pray that uh, you would work in us this evening. God, that you would use um, our faith to encourage one another. God, that we would confess. God, that we would um, just come with full transparency about what's going on. Uh, God, we thank you. God, thank you for uh, your grace. God, thank you for your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.